coming up that's victory find his link in our bio for this episode hello this is fx2 this is another episode of a murder of musicians how the hell are you guys so after our last episode we got a lot of feedback everybody really excited that we're hitting home runs here basically by giving you guys a little background of the hip-hop evolution and how it was birthed in new york city back in the 70s and 80s the late 70s early 80s especially we talked about the dj culture bringing people together making a community for people to safely be exercising their right of expression their freedom of speech their words and their music and their art just was pulsating out of the community and trying to break through into more of a mainstream style of distribution. Now the Wu-Tang Clan who we spoke about was one of the premier groups who pioneered in my opinion the entire hip-hop scene as we know it today but let's take a step back a little bit we're not gonna take a trip anywhere else we're gonna stay right in New York and we're gonna dial the clock back to the 1980s this is the time of Grandmaster Flash and the DJs that were out there who are spinning records getting people dancing in the clubs. It was a whole new atmosphere. There were people that were integral to the hip hop community that were here 
on the East Coast, specifically New York, which you don't even know about probably, and that's what this episode is so fascinating when you think about it, because I'm about to blow everybody's mind for a minute. Where did Dr. Dre get started? Straight out of Compton, right? Wrong. Garden City, New York. Adelphi University. Bet you didn't know that. Dr. Dre, the king of the G-Funk West Coast Sound, got his start on the East Coast. Wow. Bet you didn't know he repped Compton. But if it wasn't for New York, he would not have gotten the notoriety that he did in the mid-80s. Now, I mentioned Adelphi University, which is, quite frankly, I could throw a rock from where I am right now and hit the fucking college because it's that close. New York was the scene for music in the 80s. Dr. Dre, after high school, decided to take a shot at a college opportunity he had at Adelphi University, and it may not have gone the way that he had originally intended, lasting only one semester, but that's nothing to laugh at, because if you're able to look back in those history books and see what he accomplished in that time, while he was here in New York, it blows your fucking mind. And... I'm just so excited to be finally bringing you this episode for a number of reasons. It's very dear to my heart to think back at all of the moments in my own musical career and my own upbringing, basically, that are being rehashed here when I think about the past and the hip-hop community and how it shaped the people that were involved with it and led to the fame and the prominence of rappers that we know today. But at the same time, it shaped individuals and gave them a mindset, gave them opportunity and hope. And I was one of those New York kids in the 80s and 90s who looked up to all of these pioneering artists and they paved the way for you and I and people that are out there right now to continue the legacy and to go on with what had been started back in Staten Island, the Stapleton houses like we were talking about last episode. This time around, really, Dr. Dre is the key figure here. But there's also a few other famous artists who were at Adelphi University at the same time Dre was. Now, you may think it's a coincidence. I don't... I think it's more of like a divine intervention. God himself. Ripping the clouds apart, pulling Dre out the hood in Compton. 
putting them in Garden City, New York, which is not exactly Brooklyn or Staten Island or the Bronx. It ain't that bad, but you know, it didn't have to be that bad because no one was that bad. You know, I hear the radio, the radio, the streaming services nowadays that are playing, you know, these offset style of gangster rap. I don't even know how to properly classify what type of music is being played right now and advertised over and over, specifically Apple Music. Uh, you know, we're pumping that, that trap still and all that skirt, skirt, you know, shooting your ops and shit. It's not really my jam, but I know that a lot of people out there love that shit. I just don't know how many ops there are out there for y'all to shoot. Because <laughs> I just I hear it in every fucking song and I'm sick of it quite honestly. You know, it's like back in the day at Garden City, people weren't looking around the corner for ops, you know, they were looking out of the perspective of someone who wanted an opportunity rather than someone who wanted to shoot down their opposing competitors and that's a big difference because that's the whole idea of a murder of musicians right so if you know about our show then you know about the website and you know that we're here to help and what are we doing to help we're trying to bridge the gap between artists between artists and fans between artists and producers between artists and other collaborators between you and between your future and if your future looks anything like what ours looks like as a community join the collective jump on board just talk to us we're always here send us emails whatever whatever because Communication is more than just a few emails or, you know, a reply in a social media feed. What it is is an opportunity to further yourself by branching on and collaborating with other like-minded individuals who will help you get to the next level, okay? Dr. Dre, in the 80s, was in a black history music class at Adelphi University with who? Chuck D. So, right there, as we were talking about coincidences, there's your big one. So, Chuck D, Dr. Dre, sitting next to each other in class. What do you think they're talking about? Music, right? It's a music class anyway. Black history music. And it gave them the courage, I guess you would say, to really step outside the box and not look at each other as ops, but look at each other as opportunities to go to the next level, to take their music one 
level higher. And that's all that you have to do is take baby steps. I'm telling you, not just spending hours in the studio trying to get that one track. You need to really interact with your community. Get to know the people. And that's what Dre and Chuck D did. And that's really the greatest example that I can give of a face-to-face interaction leading to a multi-million dollar platinum selling artist and brand and culture. So here we are, two college kids sitting in class talking about music, one from one hood, one from the other. And they just vibed. And Chuck D knew this guy, Bill. He had a show, a radio show on campus. And he introduced him. And Bill Stephanie, yes, the journalist, he uh, took a liking to Dre. Gave him a chance to host a radio show on campus. That radio show was called The Operating Room. Pretty fucking sick title, right? Dr. Dre, always with the wittiest fucking titles, I swear. He had The Operating Room. What was The Operating Room? It was a Q&A style interactive interview where Dre would ask certain artists about their start, what they're doing, where they're going, Kind of like this collective, right? You know, we have From the Cellar where we introduce people. We got opportunities here where we're trying to introduce people. So it's the same shit. It's just recycled and redone. So Dre had the opportunity of first doing an interview with Flava Flav. Now, I haven't heard the actual interview I would search for it. I was dying to find it. Couldn't find it anywhere. I would love to hear it. If anyone has that interview, please hit us up. A murder of musicians at Gmail. Or just hit me up directly. FX2 at FX2Studios.com. Links in the bio. Again, guys, get connected. Let's do this shit, right? So... Dr. Dre gets to interview Flavor Flav. Fucking amazing right there, right? Well, yes, but think about this. You know who else he got to interview? Run DMC. That was when Dre really started to get a feel for what was brewing in New York. And that's when Dre had an opportunity to use a studio at Adelphi University with the other guys. And what they would do was they would make songs for the intro to their their radio show. You know, here, we're using your songs as the intro so that you can get more visibility they were doing it so they could get visibility for their own shit. 
rightfully so. And these songs that were turned into just promos and intros to their program were fucking dope. You know, and people like Jam Master J heard it. And Jam Master J was actually the one who spoke to Dr. Dre first and told him to take those songs and bring them to Russell Simmons. Now, Dre did not falter when he heard those words come out of his boy's mouth and he took them and he went down to NYU University, you know, New York University, and he met with no other than Rick Rubin. They talked about music. They talked about where the industry was. And I don't know what else they talked about because I wasn't at the table, but I'm sure it was fucking shit that would blow your mind because these are two people who were able to put their minds outside of the realms of what was happening to the thought of what could be. So forward thinking, proactively thinking about the music community and where it's going to be, say, 10 years from that date. Hmm. Very similar to something we're trying to do here. Where is the music industry going to be in five years, seven years, ten years? Anybody want to know? Well, why don't we create it ourselves? And that's what this show's about, guys, is, you know, a little bit of hip-hop history so that you can see the examples throughout time of how these interactive collectives whether it be just a few people or a hundred thousand people all help each other reach the next level get more visibility get heard get played and it always leads to more opportunities not ops so get the op slang out of your vocabulary it does not have a good connotation because ops should stand or represent opportunities to progress in a positive way. Dre took his opportunity and he met with Ed Lover. And if you don't know who Ed Lover is, you need to go back and YouTube some of the early shows of Yo MTV Raps where it was hosted by Ed Lover and Dr. Dre. Now they have formed a relationship prior to that when Dre and Ed Lover were the two co-hosts of a brand new relaunching of a New York City radio station. Anybody know what that one was? WQHT 97.1 Hot 97 Let me tell you, as a kid in New York, that was the fucking coolest shit. 
to hear Dre and Lover in the Morning talking music and talking about life. And oh my God, I loved it. I was sitting in class sometimes with one of my earphones in my ear, like underneath my sweater and shit with my, you know, this is from my Sony Walkman. So I got the shit between my legs so <laughs> it could get better reception and I could listen. This is before, you know, the, you know, Bluetooth. So I got the string going up my fucking sweater, you know, and I got it in my hand and I'm putting my head on my hand on the desk like I'm just sitting there sleeping but then all of a sudden I start fucking laughing <laughs> you know, it's like not long until I get caught but that's 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 how powerful of a program that two of these individuals presented to the radio station broadcasting industry and that's why they were chosen to host Yo MTV Raps, which that alone was another turning point in music history. But all of this would have been prevented from ever happening if it wasn't for that Black History music class at Adelphi University in the 80s, where Chuck D and Dr. Dre first met. End of story. You know, the interaction there led to Dre doing great things, like DJing for the Beastie Boys. I mean, these were shit. Opportunities and shit that, like, people don't get to participate in nowadays because of the veil of secrecy that's up for the online community you know you're kind of isolating yourself from everyone else by just being on a social media network hoping to be selling beats online or something like that you're not out there doing performances you're not out there making connections with people sure you're networking, okay, what is that leading to? What's the next level? Well, if you're just doing that for yourself, good luck. It's really hard. I'm not going to lie. You know, this show, we have been exploring the online social media streaming networks from <laughs> a little bit of a different perspective we're trying to infiltrate the social media networks in a way that will just expose all of the flaws and what we find to be detrimental to artists and it is self-evident it's already presenting itself and there are opportunities for you to break away from what everyone else is doing okay that's all where trying to accomplish is just a little transition where are we going with this who the fuck knows did chuck dean dr dre know that you know in 1986 they were gonna put a fucking original concept the group i mean come on anybody that doesn't know can you feel it 
needs to go on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever, type that in, listen to it, you'll get a feel for the entire era of hip-hop in the 80s just by listening to that song. The samples in there, I mean, that one sample, and can you feel it, has been done over billions of times, the dance sample. But better than that, it's just really a great example of the different ways that networking can produce results that you may never have thought possible, right? So you talk to some guy who's online and he says he can help you get your music on a playlist. Okay, that's great. What does that do for you? Nothing really. It kind of gives them an opportunity to make a nice playlist if you got fire tracks, right? And then their playlist gets played over and over again. Guess who gets the royalty check? That guy. <laughs> you don't. So how do we break away from that? How do we get money in your bank account? How do you get royalty checks? Well, we need to reinvent the wheel. Let's do something different, you know? You down? If you, if you feel this, then let's take it to the next level. Wrap your head around it for a little while. Think about it. What do you have to lose? We're not charging money. We're not doing anything like that. We're just here right now offer opportunities to all you musicians out there join the murder join the collective let's get a fucking army of musicians together to destroy this fucking stupid streaming platform shit that we got going on now it's ridiculous it really is. You're looking at the death of the independent artist right now. And unless something's done, goodbye. You know, you're going to hear the same type of shit for the rest of your life. There ain't going to be no more indie radio or indie anything. So, hit me up. FX2 at FX2 Studios. Link in the bio. Once again, thank you for joining us for this episode of A Murder of Musicians. We're going to go a little bit deeper next episode into the way that hip-hop started to spread across the country and get to that West Coast. And then the West Coast-East Coast battle. Ooh, wow. So exciting. Can't wait. Join me. Join the collective become part of the community let's get this fucking done what's up